severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello, I'm Jamie McKinley and welcome to episode 118 of Just Get A Real Job and this week is part two of our live at the HB Film Festival episode we did with the brilliant Sarah Grant, Sonia Bleacham and Ashley Dick. And in this part of the conversation, we discussed everything from being a freelancer, the non-linear nature of working in the creative industries, the importance of diversifying your craft. We had some audience Q&A as well, and we spoke a bit more about their day-to-day roles. A really interesting conversation. If you just listened to this episode and you're a first-time listener, you might want to go back and listen to part one of this chat. I mean, you could listen to part two as a normal episode and not listen to part one, I guess. But, you know, if you want to enjoy the full conversation, then... Both parts are available, I guess. But, you know, it was lovely to have Sarah, Ashley and Sonia on this podcast. Both parts have been really enjoyable. And thank you again to the HB Film Festival for having us. It was lovely to do. And, yeah, you know, we love being in front of a live audience. So, as I said in last week's one, thank you to everyone that came along and watched and supported. It means a lot to us. And, yes, I think the HB Film Festival are already selling tickets for next year's show. So, there's a link to that in the show notes of this podcast. But I hope you enjoy part two of this conversation. And without much further ado, here is episode 118 of Just Get A Real Job. Well, to move on, um, my laptop's died as well, so I'm just going to pretend <laughs> I'm looking at the rest. It's fine. Wing I know it. roughly the I've done it up these now. It's fine. Um, I sort of thought it'd be interesting to talk about that. I mean, I, I know we'd only got so much time and you've all done loads of stuff so there'll be things we can't get through but I wondered if there was a moment you'd all had where you thought I love this but I think I can do this now I think this might be like a viable living for me and that's okay if that's not happened yet either because you know it's an, it's an ongoing journey but starting with Sarah do you was there a moment that you remember I think I'm able to do this um yeah I think I was you know again get causing my father despair as much as I was studying film and I knew mm. that I was wanting to work in the industry, my long-term goal was always to be an author. I really wanted to be an author. Um, so I was saying to my dad, I'm going to do a, a joint degree in film and English and then I can work in the film industry while yeah. writing my novel. And he was like, <laughs> you are so stupid. <laughs> um, so I was always wanting to kind of write. So I was, uh, But then I was three years into my English degree when I found mm. out that I was wildly dyslexic and no one picked it up. Yeah. Like, no. So I kind of fell away and went and kind of was like, well, I'm never going to write a book. So I'm going to like throw myself into film. And... Um, I've been very lucky that my career has kind of been almost like a step-by-step. I went travelling after uni because I didn't know how to be a director. And then I came back and I still didn't know how to be a director, so I became a waitress. (laughs) And I had this five-year plan to save for a camera. But I entered a competition that was run by Cineworld that was... I was very box ticky. It was mm. they were, and I didn't realize I was box ticky until I was on this. This I got. I won this competition, and then they gave me media training and told me what to say. And it was where I come from, and in my situation, I would never have the opportunity without them. That was what I was coached to say, and I was like, mm. Oof. "Wow!" Um, so I didn't realize until that. But what Cineworld were doing is they were taking five people who would never have a chance. I'm air quoting who would never have a chance to make a film otherwise, and they were giving them finalists and giving them support to make their mm. first film. And um, 
then the winner of that would be played at Cineworld. Um, so, but I only wanted to become a finalist because the finalist got eight grand worth of equipment and two grand yeah. to make a film. So I became a finalist and instantly my five-year plan was gone and I had everything I needed to make films. And so I was very lucky mm. that was the one step that kind of made me to do that but then I made the film the film won the film was in Cineworld that got me my first videographer job led to my next videographer job led to um, a placement uh, an arts council an art scholarship with um, Sky Arts where I was paid full to work full time uh, on a project for a year which led to working at university um, as a filmmaker um, which was public sector so lots of freedom to create mm. my to kind of keep my creative energy and then the pandemic came along and I was commuting to Edinburgh for this job and it was killing me Mm. and all of a sudden I got to have all this time and I could still do my job from home because I had the forefront to try and make a, a video like almost like a Shutterstock but specifically for this university yeah. so I had this whole bank of footage that I'd been building up over the course of a year that I could make um, and I wasn't spending any money so mm. all of a sudden I always knew that I could never again without the safety net I could never go freelance without having a really decent buffer yeah. and just yeah. because of the pandemic I was able to save that really decent buffer and it came when things started to open up again I'm like I have eight months that saved I can make things get things going in eight months and again mm. so I wish that it was more of a, a faith in myself uh, leap but it wasn't it was a financial one I don't have the I don't have the, the luxury of make it of just being like I just believe I'm that kind of person however I think that from the earliest stages from that first application from that first film in 2014 I knew that I would get there it just might take me mm. a long time so there's always been there's a new gaming quote that I always kind of pull up I love he says think of things as a mountain like where you want to get to as a mountain and there's lots of different ways different paths um but and some things will be good for you now but maybe not good for you to get you closer to the mountain and just always think what's the quickest way to get to your mountain and that's always what I've kind of done so mm. whether taking full-time jobs or going freelance or doing batches mm. of both um thinking of it as a mountain from the very start and kind of still seeing it in the distance is how I kind of operate things. Um, I'm full-time freelance just now, but there's no saying that I'm not going yeah, to take a full-time job soon. And it's, like, no, it's not linear either. Like You can linear. have like a massive, like, finally, like, oh, I might, it's, it's happened, and then you're yeah. like, shit, I've got lost this job, and yeah. I, it's back to square one. But it's not back yeah. to square one, obviously, no. but it feels like in the moment that it is. So. I think there's a huge pressure that when you take take the leap everyone calls it taking the leap and going full-time freelance that if you go have to mm. go back to any sort of employment steady employment that's you failing yeah. that's not true there are ups and downs in this industry and you have to work you have to work mm. you have to pay your bills so it's a case of full-time freelance might be great and it might only last a year yeah but it was a year where you managed to get further forward and get a better job mm -hmm. and you might do it again in a couple of years yeah. time and that is all fine and i think it's really important and inspiring for people to hear as be honest about this sort of thing yeah. and what I've loved about this podcast is I've had guests who you'd think they're quite big like they must have like you know made it we had Jane McCary plays Eyes and Still Game mm -hmm. she was having to be a teacher still sometimes yeah. to make a living like uh, Ross from Father Son who are quite a you know well-known Scottish band he was I met him on Screw because he was doing the coffee there mm -hmm. to make a bit of extra money on the side during the pandemic and stuff yeah. so it's like you know this even people who you think they've made it still oh, yeah, have to like make a living and stuff and I think that's why it's so important to reflect like real life you know we're working in this sort of oh, yeah. industry etc it's a struggle bus like it can be a yeah. real struggle bus this year i had a project that was kind of i i was told that it was going to wrap up in april so i was like i don't need to take on any other work in the kind of january february march time and that decision screwed my entire year because mm. the project got pushed back and it meant that i wasn't getting paid until august but then because it was already too late nothing's happening in winter i hadn't set yeah. up my winter work 
all of a sudden I went from mm. having my six month buffer to being five grand in debt, just keeping myself on that. And I've managed to claw myself back out, but that was a really horrible year. This has been my most successful year on paper. However, it has, it has been my hardest year as a freelancer and sometimes that happens and I'm very lucky that I've got like a supportive partner who was, is also a freelancer but just happens to be yeah. at this point in time doing really well and things have swapped around for the both of us as well so it's a case of like they had to, they had to look after me for a little bit which I am very yeah. proud, I don't like doing and I don't like talking about it but it's just it's what you have to do mm -hmm. and it's not a failure it's just the way things happen so yeah. it's been a very difficult year for me because anytime I meet people they're like you seem that you're doing so well you're making strides mm. and I'm like on paper I am yeah. <laughs> on paper I am but the struggle bus is very I real. think that's another yeah. problem with social media yeah. it's like people go yes, oh, you must yes. be smashing it like you know and it's like well, oh, yeah. well that's the thing because you share your successes because as a creative person your social media is almost a bit of a portfolio yeah so I know that people are very into being transparent and saying like, you know, here are the struggles of my life as well. But you feel like you can't really put that out there because no. when people go to commission you or want to see your work, they're going to go through your social media and yeah. you've got to be like, well, I'm great at everything I do I and I am a success, it. so please take me on. And also, also does it, I don't know if this is just like my kind of family, but there's a cultural thing is like we don't talk about money. Like we don't, there's a case of we don't talk about money, which I also think is how so many working class people don't get into this industry because there's a whole like, no, it's crass to talk about money. I'm like, but sometimes we have to talk about money, yeah. about how much money do you have from passive income of being a landlord or are, is your house paid for or are you mm. getting support elsewhere? Because those are things that I don't have. Yeah. And it feels crass to do it because I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable and I don't want to put myself out there that yeah. way. But at the same time, I think because we don't talk about money, it, it leads to greater injustices yeah, and it's true. really stressful. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, struggle bus is a, is a good thing. It's and really, it's the same mm. with social media, loads of, especially yeah. as stills photographers, people say, oh, you post so much, you've been so busy. It's like, mm. most of that has been shot over the last three years and mm -hmm. it's just yeah, yeah. coming out now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's really distorted. Um, I'm sure. very lucky that I have my studio yeah, um, yeah, on the sides yeah. and, um, I can be very flexible with that. Mm -hmm. I try. I had a time where I thought I do need a more regular income to claw back from debt as well, and I went into teaching. Um, but mm. I come back to this because I had to make a promise to myself and my partner <laughs> in regards to um, other work. <laughs> but um, and it was great to know on that mm. day you get this much money, um, but I took away so much freedom yeah. from how I like to live. Um, my partner will have a daughter who's um, nearly eight. And it's, we enjoy the life we have and it's yeah. just making peace. It's like, we're not, my, my partner's um, self-employed as well. He's a musician mm. and we're not going to own a house unless we win the lottery. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's anybody who, who can pass down a house in our families either. And, um, but that's okay. Just mm. letting go of, oh, you should be on the on the property ladder. You should have this. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We drive a car that doesn't allow me to drive into central Glasgow at the moment. <laughs> I don't know if that, gives, if that gives up the ghost. I don't know what to do. So, um, But we're happy and we're rich in that way. Mm. And I think realizing that helps a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and the promise. So when I moved to Scotland in 2009, um, it was on the back of some personal not so nice stuff and if my best friend lived in Edinburgh at this time he's a dancer and he said why don't you come to Scotland and mm. Scottish accent I always had a thing for it <laughs> <laughs> Scottish accents and before I moved I, I worked as a cruise scheduler for, mm. for Lufthansa 
um, city line. I had a really high paid job, um, yeah. high octane, I like to call it, because it's it's really busy and loads of fun. Yeah. High job. Um, right. It's uh, yeah. Crew wise, it was my responsibility whether a flight took off or not. Mm. And um, but he said, why don't you move to Scotland? He said, you know what, the company is looking for voluntary redundancy. Let yeah. me figure out. And within four months, mm. I quit my job. And it wasn't until two weeks before I moved that I had a job in Scotland. <laughs> so um, and I worked my way through like retail and hotels, and um, mm. I then met my now partner fairly soon. The typical stereotypical story is like I was finally happy being single, and along <laughs> comes this guy, uh, and he stuck around, and um, he gave me loads of support because he has been self-employed for a long time, and he says mm. it's the best thing. Yeah. Why don't you do that? And um, serendipity um i got my first gig on 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 a set and i thought this is awesome yeah. is this something you can do thought, that's amazing and, and I, I loved everything about it and i met the right people and I, I like to pay it forward throughout my career um because i wouldn't be here without the support mm. of others and who believed in me and introduced me yeah, to people yeah. and dragged me along to scottish screenwriters <laughs> and introduced me and, and did all the marketing that I felt too embarrassed yeah, to yeah, do, yeah. even at, as, as a German. <laughs> people say, oh, that's a bit gallus. And I was like, no, but I did a good job. I'm not saying everybody is shit. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. I just yeah. did a good job. Yeah, and that's okay. um, good to celebrate as well. And it was um, actually, and Gary, I don't think you know that. He's in the audience. Um, <laughs> Gary's uh, feature film, Clique, was the first feature I shot on from the start. Mm. And I thought, I want to do this full time. This, this is it. And I've done things on the side, shot weddings, a second shooter while I'm still working yeah. my way through retail with every job that I took on was worse and worse and more so destroying. So it was out of a necessity. No, I need to do something that makes me happy. Mm. And um, so on set of clear, I decided I'm going to study. So there's the German coming through. I do need a qualification. Um, and I went to college to do an h and I thought it's like, I know my camera, I know yeah, how to yeah, work yeah. it, and um, I just need a bit more to know about business and mm. run a business. And on set of Gary's film, I met three actors who put all their faith and trust in me to shoot their first headshots. Yeah. Um, and it evolved from there, and I thought, this is what I want to do. Mm. I got my, my placement at college, and then couple of days later I found I was pregnant oh, wow. <laughs> so I was like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna be the person that starts college three months and I'm gonna have a baby and then I'm gonna go back that's it and my oh, wow. partner it was my partner I said are you sure because <laughs> I know you he's like as our first child and you probably mm. want to build a nest so I phoned college and they were kind enough to say you can postpone everything by a year yeah. and um I was really mean to my employer because <laughs> yeah I'm coming back so I took full maternity leave took uh, <laughs> four weeks worth of holidays, went back for three weeks, and then handed mm. in my resignation. <laughs> yeah, I oh, why not? You gotta do what you gotta do. Um, and yeah, and during college, um, and, and coming out of pregnancy, it's, I struggled. Um, mm. I was quite a, a geriatric mum. That's what mm. they called me. Oh. Uh, I was nearly 42 wow. when I had my daughter. Wow. So, but I, I really struggled postnatal and, and the support wasn't there mm. and I 
couldn't recognize myself. I was really, I had social mm. anxiety. Even with friends, when I talked to them, I would zone out and not make eye contact. And I, I hated it. So in college was for me, like nobody knows me there. I can just reinvent myself. I had gained so much weight and I was uncomfortable with everything. But um, I had a couple of really, really good lecturers and that built up my confidence mm. again. So nothing, people that teach you are so important yeah. beyond um, the technicalities they can teach you. And so when I hear like people be, are being let down at, at university and not given a chance or at, mm. at school, it's like, no, you can't do this. Yeah. So like, I know you want to, but you can't. It's so important. And, and if I could change things, that would be it, that people yeah. are being treated better for what they want to do and mm. can do. Mm. And um, yeah, and I opened my first studio while I was at college amazing and i jumped in after college i went straight into full-time self-employment and it's mm. that's amazing. yeah and it's just the people i met and the, the i must say big applause to the scottish film community because people really help in germany mm. i found when you when i started with bit of photography and asked people for help it's it's very mm. closed people don't want to share because you could take yeah. something you could take work away from me so why would i teach you and I found it's the absolute opposite here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and you said failures earlier and things that you did wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't be where I am without getting But I think wrong. it's so important to sort of have that on, as we were saying earlier, like, you know, it's easy for people to see on social media, they, they're like, oh, they must be smashing it. But like, I think it's important we talk about the honest, like, non-linear nature of yes. this industry and how we all have bad days and we're, you have days where like, hell am I doing this for? Well, this is insane. I wish I was just like working in a bank or something. <laughs> yeah. and so and I, forgot I don't to ever say, wish yeah. that, but he's like, I'm sometimes jealous that I don't have that. I wasn't content to do something very secure, but then I'm, I wouldn't change it for the world. But then yeah, I get that as well. Know, I'm like, yeah. why, am I, why am I such a dick that I want to yeah. do this? Why can I not just be happy in a I bank? Like, I think it's like a word. Because you wouldn't. Yeah, I know. You don't want to get ideas above your station, but Ash, do you have like a moment that you remember thinking like, I'm doing what I love now. And yeah, I think similarly, there's been a few over the years. Um, when I left school, I went to college to do media mm. and um, because there was no option to do that. So I left after fifth year and I didn't quite have the grades I'd hoped mm. for. Went to college and suddenly like it all made sense. I was like, this is exactly where I should be and what I should be doing. And it was that realisation that everything my English teacher had been telling me about subtext in books mm. I now found in film and I was like oh that's what she was talking about <laughs> it's just now that I see it visually it makes more sense to me and so I felt like yeah I finally was using um, skills that I had a talent in and that mm. I really enjoyed as well went through university again had a bit of a mixed feeling about it just because it was that step up and a lot of people were a little bit older in, in yeah. my university course and I felt I, you could see the difference in their work. They just had so much more to say to the world and so much more to draw upon and I just felt like my stories were kind of silly and, mm -hmm. and not, um, not very important or didn't really have that much weight. I didn't really know what I was doing. But I left university with my degree and started running and um, did as much as I could but it was, yeah, it was a point in time where I couldn't do the freelance lifestyle full time. Mm -hmm. So I worked in a cinema part-time and I loved it because I got to watch free movies all the time. Yeah. But there was part of it that I then also had to make choices that were around keeping myself afloat, mm. uh, keeping the rent paid and doing lots of things. And I would work at media companies um, doing crowdfunding videos or any mm. sort of like any video at all, just wanted the experience. 
but did it for such a long time and just felt like it wasn't really growing. So I, I don't know how this came to me. I must have found it on social media. But I did a residency abroad in Romania mm. and I made wow. a, a documentary when I was there. And when I got there, and um, the way that it worked was we learned about anthropology for a few days and how to apply that in film. So we weren't allowed to interview people or be present. This had mm. to be fly on the wall to the extreme. You weren't allowed to interfere with anything that was happening on your film. You just had to go out and shoot. And it taught me a lot of discipline. It was horrible and I wouldn't recommend anyone do it, but it was very disciplined. And it did teach me a lot about film that I hadn't really considered before and gave me that leap in maturity as well. So I came back with a film that I was really proud of and suddenly started to get a bit more recognition and feel yeah. a bit more part of that world. So that was one of those moments where I was like, this is for me. I continued to not find consistent work because I just still didn't have the connections and contacts. So uh, similar to Sarah, during the pandemic, I was like, well, this is an opportunity to save. I'm not doing anything anymore. I'm not going out. I'm not spending money. I'm not going abroad. Like all of that, I'm just going to funnel into um, my safety net. So finally, uh, at that point, I'd been working in marketing for a little while. Uh, making some awesome videos about tents. <laughs> it was the pain of my life for yeah. two years. Um, and I was finally in uh, January 2021, I handed in my notice. And from April 2021, I've been freelance. And again, that was a moment where I was like, I feel like I can do it now. I feel like, you know, if there's a drought, I've got that safety net. But also, I know enough people, I've done enough work, I have the portfolio and the evidence. I also just started telling people that I was an editor and they believed me. <laughs> and it was like, who knew? <laughs> That's all you had to do. But it was, it was this weird moment of like, you know what, I'm going to stop talking about myself as I aspire to be or I really yeah. want this and just tell people that I am it already and they'll follow that, they'll believe and trust mm. in you. So that was another nice moment. And I'd say this year, so since uh, 2021, I've been doing a lot of post-production, mm. editing and animation, and I love it. I've always enjoyed that that's a part of the process where sometimes you can form the story, certainly in yeah. documentaries. And also, um, it's like a big jigsaw, and I really love that stuff. Um, I'm neurodivergent at heart. <laughs> I'm like, yay, I get to, get to sit and sort through things, and there's like infinite solutions, and I can just try them all out and see which mm. one fits. Some people find that tedious, that's my idea of joy. <laughs> so I love that part of it. But this year I've directed three films, uh, a documentary, the animation that's showing today, Amazing. and a fiction. And by the time I got to that third set for my fiction, I was like, I love this. I, mm. This is so much fun. Like just being part of the full process and um, doing a lot of organisation, which I found maybe because of like the post-production process, I don't mm. know, but I found it just went super smoothly. Any problem we came up against, I was like, it's cool, we've got this solution, it's all good. <laughs> and when I was on set, just it just went so well and it just felt so right and I was like, it feels good to be here. Mm. I anticipated that it was going to be stressful and horrible and then when I was there, I was like, no, this is fun. <laughs> and I think also, when I, so I did like a one eight-hour shoot for the entire short film and I think some adrenaline kicked in about 24 mm. hours before and just rode through for about 48 hours because <laughs> I couldn't sleep. I was yeah. lying awake at night thinking like, I better tell the sound girl to press this button and I better like mm. tell the cinematographer to put the light over here. 
why my brain was doing this to me, I don't know. But the whole thing, I just felt like I had the greatest mood. It was like um, mania <laughs> for 48 hours. Then I came crashing off it, of course. But it just, I don't know. I would go through that again in a heartbeat. Yeah. It, it just feels like the right time now. Yeah. Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. <laughs> and we've talked for so much longer so we have about uh, we maybe have time for two more questions and I'll try and let the audience ask a few questions if they have any as well um, but maybe we might have to be a little bit quicker which is no all good problem. I know we've been we yep. could talk all day we could talk all day but just very quickly um, I know we've you've all like sort of had to do more than one thing and do more than one thing in your sort of day-to-day jobs but I mean, Sarah, we can start with you because you have obviously got a book out now. Yes. You've directed, you, you, you've written things, you'd, add, you'd do some comedy. But how, do you, how did you diversify like that and how did they all interlink with each other? I think it, um, a lot of it stemmed from the fact that my first jobs, I came up being just a standard videographer. So mm. I worked for my first kind of film job where I really learned my craft, I think, outside of university. I worked for a, a training company, so I'd make training videos. But yeah. um, a lot of it would... Like, it was more the company would sell the idea of, hey, Pizza Hut, do you want to do your training in video format? And then they'd say yes, and then the rest would be up to me. So yeah. I had to, like, you know, I had to come up with the concept, uh, work with clients, and take that all the way through shooting to, uh, to delivery, post-production, after effects. Like, I had mm. to do the whole process, and that was my job. So it meant that going forward, I was just able to carry on building out those skills and just keep doing things which worked really really well when the pandemic hit because then it meant that when I wasn't allowed to work with anyone I could one man band which is when I started putting myself in front of the camera because out of necessity not because I wanted to um and that's how I ended up like just opening up a whole new part of my practice that I just didn't think that I had in me I wasn't I was very convinced that nobody wanted to see a fat ginger Scott on 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 screen but turns out Mm. people do and I'm writing it so it's great um (laughs) I think when it comes down to it is that there's no you have to do what you have to do to get to pay the to pay the yeah. bills, and that is just something that I've able to do. I think it's been, it's been more scary this year specifically because I'm coming off the tools more. It's a case of I'm working less but on bigger projects. Yeah. But with that, it means I'm like, okay, I need to be working on this for two full months and know that that's paid. Whereas before, it was like little bits here and there, which was really good. Um, 
I, I do have my book out, so I think that film has allowed me to come full circle into being a, an author. Uh, Fat Girl Best Friend is the name of my book. It's a non-fiction um, a pop culture voyage, so it's mm. very accessible, it's very fun, and uh, it's a deep dive into uh, representation of plus-size women on, uh, on screen and identifying where the bad tropes are. And I think it's just a case of, I think, I just never thought that I'd get to do this. I never mm. thought that I'd get to do this. Um, my biggest revenge on my poor dad, who is the most supportive <laughs> guy ever, but all the way throughout uni and afterwards, he would tell everyone who was listening, including me, in the room, being like, film, mm. you're never going to get a job in film. Film's not a job. Film's not this. And he was so mean about it and stuff. And my biggest revenge is not saying anything about it, is just watching whenever his friends catch up with him. Because, How's that unsuccessful daughter of yours that's never going to get a job in film? Because they know that I'm doing really well and that is my biggest revenge. And the thing is, my dad just, he never got it. But then when I was like, Dad, I need you to come on set and help me mm. with something. And then all of a sudden, he's my biggest fan. He's like, this, yeah. is, this is brilliant. This is the best <laughs> thing I've ever been on. This is a film set. Oh my God, he makes me macaroni and cheese mm. for every single set I do. He feeds all my crew. Yeah. Um, and I think it just, yeah, it's just... I just never thought that I'd get to do this and I just love what I do so much so I'm just happy for any opportunity to kind of do it also I kind of think it's worth mentioning is that when you work in media it's I'm going to do a visual action which is not good for a podcast but imagine <laughs> but imagine a graph where it doesn't go it doesn't go it doesn't go and then suddenly it spikes up yeah that's where it is you slog at the bottom levels and mm. then there is a very upward thing when you are earning lots of money when you're working on bigger things and then you have more stuff coming through and I know that I'm on the curve I'm mm. about like I know that I'm there I just need to carry on a little bit longer yeah. and it is that's really hard because I think I feel like I've been on the curve for three years and the more mm. I learn the more I'm like oh no I'm on just on the curve now and maybe I'm going to be yeah. on the curve for the next 20 years <laughs> I, I don't know but I just think that I'm just just remember that I'm very grateful for what I get to do mm. and that makes things a lot easier so I can just do whatever is needed for me and I can pay my bills and <laughs> that's way better than a waitress with a five-year plan so I just know that I'm lucky and that's why <laughs> uh, that's what keeps me just doing everything that comes in my door yeah no thank you for that answer um, very insightful uh, Sonia do you have a, a like um what was the what would the question ask how yeah, you take pictures obviously and do stills and I've done other stuff before, but how do you sort of, how do they all interlink with each other? Because obviously working on a film set might be a bit different to doing, like, having people in the studio to take a picture and stuff. Yeah, but uh, I do headshots um, in yeah. my studio, so it interlinks well, and mm. um, I try not to network when I work on a set. That's just not good etiquette. But yeah. people come to me and ask, and I'm quite happy to say, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, with Sarah said, you, you do what, what's necessary to do the bills. And I mentioned earlier how to make this promise to myself and my partner. It's like whenever I n have to take a job that's employed, mm. it has to be s something to do with photography, okay. at least a little bit. So I have done photography jobs um, <laughs> just to pay bills and to start yeah. out. But as long as I use my camera, that's mm. moving me forwards. There was yeah, a time where I shot kids football clubs and I was in front of a green screen and uh, you get 60 seconds per child and it's you, you measure everything out when you set up and it's soul destroying but I did it uh, mm. I didn't have to go back selling phones which I have done in the past yeah um you know with a f 
my only worry is like, do I have to do kids' Christmas shoots this this, this <laughs> Christmas? Because two of the, the the feature films I was supposed to be on have been postponed. They've been influenced mm. by the strike in the states. Yeah, so yeah. even when you're on the curve up, you never know something yeah, external can happen that yeah. just mm-hmm. just curbs it instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a bit of a thrill seeker <laughs> thing about it that you never know and you have to I like the flexibility I like when I work I like um, an asset as well you don't know what's happening you have to mm. problem solve yeah. it's like yeah, yeah I have a plan I'll do, I'll do this and yeah. it's fine it's fine it's gonna be fine um, and it keeps it keeps me on my toes it, keep, it keeps be. me flexible and, yeah. and I think especially in this industry it's so so important mm-hmm. Um, I did venture into lecturing for a bit. Um, I think I might have mentioned that before. And it's, I always say, don't be arrogant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the people that struggle the most, they say, I'm an artist and I never do anything else. You yeah, all yeah. sell your souls by doing commercial jobs or making training <laughs> videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, you can't. I don't think you can do this, especially, and again, it moves you, every job moves you forward to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And then you get to that top of the curve and you try to write that way for as long as possible. Because <laughs> it will dip, it will dip. Yeah. But it's it's reassuring to know that it will dip and that too shall pass. <laughs> so yeah. there's another bit yeah, of wisdom. Ash, do you um, have a, an answer about like, um, sort of, you know, making all these sort of different. Obviously, you're an editor, an animator, a director. Yeah. They're all kind of different, but they all overlap, etc. Absolutely. I think that once you get into the film world, whilst you might have your strengths, you always have a little bit of knowledge about other things. Mm. And I've always got a lot of plates spinning. So my main vocation is to edit and animate, which are already two different things. Yeah. But I have found enough work where either they can both uh, be done in tandem. So if you're editing something, then animating as well. Or it might just be that they need one of those skills, and that's fine. Then I've obviously been out directing, um, which has more been from uh, projects that have uh, commissioned certain people to go make their film. Hmm. I've been doing voiceover work. I have a YouTube channel that I monetized. <laughs> I have um, like ongoing things with like small companies who just need mm. like lyric videos or a really yeah. small animation like once a month that... Uh, just to go out to their Patreons or whatever. Honestly, there's no creative job off the table. Like, I think (laughs) if you really love what you do, then you can use your... I mean, I've designed posters and stuff this year. It's not my job. Sorry to all the graphic (laughs) designers out there that I stole that from. But you do it because you love it. And I think that if you can find Mm. a way to make your creativity fit in and you still, you know, you sit back and you feel proud of the job that you've done, then... Go for it. Do what you need yeah. to do. Yeah. No, for sure. So I think we have about like three or four minutes left. So does it, I'll, I'll ask the audience, does anyone have a question they'd like to ask in the audience? Can you go? <laughs> yeah. I just want to shout out, I mean, the mic's just recording that. I don't know why Yeah. How do you guys keep yourself going during kind of long periods? Um, it's been really interesting hearing all your stories. An overdraft. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, it's 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 the buffer. Uh, It's difficult, especially like, oh, you're doing really, really well this like really, really well this period. I'm like, no, I'm actually talking about things that happened three months ago. Like you talked about that as well. Um, It's foresight. It's making sure that for me, it's a kind of three month period, but I kind of know my availability for the next three months. So it's a case of. 
if it's a quiet period, I can see it coming. Because mm. then it gets to a case of, okay, it's two months now until the end, my end of my busy period and there's still nothing. Okay, there's a month and a half. And if it gets to around about a month and a half, that's when I'm like, okay, start battening down the hatches and making plans. So it's just having to keep an eye on your buff your buffer, not in terms of money, but in terms of months. How much how many months does that buy you? How many months without any work does that buy you? And know when your limit is and don't think it's fine, something will come along like that. Stick stick to your guns. And if it is just a case of being like, okay, I'm sure something will come along, but I've only got money for the next month and a half. I'm gonna start throwing out application like job applications mm. to bar jobs and I might not have to follow through with them. Nothing might come of them, but I'm gonna be proactive that way and stuff. And then you're just covering yourself. I think it's just mm. being smart a few months in advance, which is really stressful. But um I think the more there's also an element of like the more in demand you seem people think that's great they're like oh i'm actually not getting availability this month but i'm available in six weeks is that okay for you and they're like oh she's available in six weeks she must be really good yes i'll take that it's almost, six like, weeks. A mar- it's almost like a marketing thing isn't it it's yeah. like i think that's why apple always put like one product out because it's like yeah. if they just see one they go oh it must be worth more than yeah you know, false scarcity like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's only one of me you'll just i'll have yeah. to fight it out kind of, like, I, hate, I hate it but it is also like i mean i work a lot with commissioners and I hate that this is a thing, but there is an element is that they're wee boys with toys. So yeah. I think they're just like, oh, I'm going to patch you, patch you, patch you, patch you. But then I'm like, oh, I'm actually working on this other project. Like, who for? What project's that? That's, is that so, that's so true of development, yeah. And development, and they'll be like, oh, so you're not like, well, I, can, I can meet you now. And you're like, thank you, God damn it. So, like, so like, don't, be af- don't be afraid to play people. <laughs> so I'm saying. Yeah. And um, just also like mentally and emotionally, how do you do it? Because I think that's something that isn't really talked about mm. a lot. Um, and it would be great to hear from um, I think you need a good network of friends who maybe work in, in the same area. For me, it's my partner because he's self-employed and he knows exactly how it, how it goes as a musician. Um, it's very volatile and having people you can just talk to and say, this is really really shit I'm a bit scared um yeah and it's just really taking comfort from other people who've been there and done this and said it's it's yeah. gonna be okay it's and it has always been okay it's a bit like a rodeo um and like you said it's it's it can be exhausting yeah to, yeah like I don't have friends and family who could support me if I fell through so but I know I can talk to them and I know that they'll understand if I can't Mm. come along to something or don't want to chip into an enormous gift or go on holiday and stuff like that and like I think just having people around you who understand that your life isn't consistent you don't have this income throughout the year that you can just like reliably do whatever it is that you want to do because um, they can be super understanding and just like help take the pressure off a little bit and if it's just a case of they offer you a lift mm. somewhere or that like what, what can they do to help it goes a long way I think the other thing is that like I remember the first time as a freelancer where I kind of like got to the end of my money and I was like oh no what am I going to do next and it was this horrible anxiety that like I felt in my torso it was yeah. just like this like extreme pressure and I, I was like ah hyperventilate and then every day I'd wake up being like I need to find a job I need to do something and weirdly I can get to that same place now and not feel that way I just mm. my, my mind is like we do this all the time we'll be fine yeah, yeah. get your CV mm-hmm. out there go speak to people something will happen and I do think that you just build a resilience the more that mm-hmm. you do it so trust yourself to mm. get on board with that too yeah. like and your nervous s- system will catch up yeah. <laughs> and don't be scared to ask for help oh yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like really it's like 
mm-hmm. say I'm, I'm struggling and, 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 and do need help, any ideas, and even if it's just sitting, um, coming up with ideas who are hilariously stupid, um, but something will come from it. Yeah. Never, ever, ever, ever feel bad about prioritizing your mental health and your well-being. I could say a lot about this, but I won't run out of time, so find me after. But I will say this, it's our industry prides itself on masochism. It's like, oh, I'm so busy. It's great when busy. I'm spinning loads of projects. Isn't it great? And that's not great. Also, this industry, especially, well, I kind of talk about my industry in terms of film and television, it relies entirely on you able to do six days a week for seven for seven it's weeks not, of yeah. twelve hour days on your feet, which is not if you are not mentally well or physically able, mm. which so many people aren't, and never mind getting into like you know whether you're neurodivergent yeah, or anything. Yeah, yeah. We do not support people's well being. You don't have HR on set, and I'm hoping that things are changing. Things are changing. I can like I know quite a lot about it. I mm. take it upon myself to learn as much as I can about on set well being and figuring things out. But the biggest one is that never apologize and bring that into language. It might take people aback, but it's not because they're uncomfortable with mental health. It's that they're not used to people talking about it. But then if someone in an email says, actually, I'm having a a little bit of a mental health spell just now, so I'm only taking calls between these hours each day I'm doing Mm -hmm. that. So if that works for your schedule, that'd be okay. Someone would be like, oh, well, of course that's okay, but I've never seen that in an email. And then that person who might be feeling the same way or know that suddenly has the language to go, yeah, I'm only going to take calls for one hour a day because I'm not feeling it. And mm. then they start talking about it. So never ever feel apo- like apologize or feel like it's a, a weakness or um, a, a letdown or a way that's going to get you out of a job by vocalizing what it is that you need in your well-being. Yeah. Because no, like, no, don't do that to yourself. Why would you do that? Our jobs are hard enough. Don't make it harder by trying to seem okay when you're not in any totally. way, shape or form. No, that, I think that's a great place to end on because yes. yes. um, it's so true and... I, Thank you to all three of you for coming on this podcast and thank you to everyone for coming out to watch today. Massive round of applause. Thank you to Amanda and Elliot for their work as well. Um, And enjoy the rest of the festival. Thank you. Well, there you go. That was episode 118 of Just Get A Real Job, the second part of our live at the HB Film Festival. Thank you again to Sarah, Sonia and Ashley for their time. Thank you again to Gary and people at the HB Film Festival for inviting us along to do this. It was lovely to do this in front of a live audience, as always. As I said at the start, in case you're a new listener and you just listened to part two and haven't listened to part one, you can go back and listen to part one now. We also have lots of other brilliant conversations, over 118 of them now, so there's lots of amazing chats we've had, even ones from like two or three years ago are still very relevant today so be sure to delve into our back catalogue if you're a relatively new listener and as always if you're enjoying this podcast there's now a follow option on Spotify be sure to click on that if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify you can also leave a five star review which helps boost us up in the charts or as we're an independent podcast you can share this podcast far and wide on social media or just spread the word really but that's all we have time for this week thank you as always to Elliot for editing this podcast thank you to Amy Dinsdale for doing the artwork for this podcast and we'll be back again next week. Have a good one. Just get a real job.